welcome back to the Hammering Away Podcast. This is episode six. Uh, today I'm joined by just Joe. I swear to God, we'll have three people next week. It's just been pretty hectic two or three weeks now uh, just for everybody involved. I mean, we would have done it on Sunday, but those Knicks were playing, so we were in the building. Uh, would have loved to be in the building tonight for that FA Youth Cup win, but we'll get to that. It's been a busy, busy, busy week. A lot of stuff to talk about, but first of all, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Uh, yeah, it's been a crazy week. Crazy week for us as as Knicks fans. Crazy week for West Ham. Just a crazy week in general. Which uh, hopefully people listen to this before the the uh, the Liverpool game. I'm 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 gonna get it up. Word. Um. Yeah. So going back to a game that feels like a lifetime ago. Because just to say this quickly, I was looking at some of the Premier League results from the last week or so, just to refresh my memory for around the league stuff. And I saw the Arsenal-Southampton result, and I was like, man, like it feels like a lifetime ago. But even longer ago or further back than that, we beat Ghent 4-1 in a European quarterfinal. So just, I mean, they blew me away. That was our best performance of the season, probably followed up, like preceded the Arsenal, like, the Arsenal game, best performance this season at that point. The Ghent game was even better, and then the Bournemouth game was arguably even better. So, did we did we talk about the the Ghent stuff last week? Talked about the first no. leg, and we previewed. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah, right. Where do we even begin then? I, I mean, that was just a complete dominant performance. I mean, writing writing the Ghent performance from the Arsenal, it really felt like, you know, we're back. No, yeah. Like, at this point, I'm very comfortable using the words we're back in a non-ironic way. I mean, and I think the biggest reason why we're back, and it's not only are we're back, we've also arrived, is because the main catalyst in a lot of this has really been Lucas Paqueta. I mean, unbelievable against Ghent and... Bournemouth, he really only misplaced one pass badly that I can think of, and it was, you know, against goal, the only goal we've conceded in about since the Arsenal game. Um, but besides that, I can't fault him for really 180 minutes of football. Yeah, he had like what one bad kick, and and then in those last three games, yeah, kicked the ball once wrong with his right foot. It's lazy, and it's something that he does. Like, if we're being completely honest about him, he does have these random moments of lazy passes and, you know, it's not, it's not acceptable, obviously, especially for a player of his quality, but I think it's something that he he can improve on. I also think it's something that maybe just comes across as lazy, but to him actually may be rushed because just the way he plays, I don't want to use the word lethargic because it's negative, but the way he plays is so under control and at his own pace. Like you see it all the time when, he picks the ball up in our own third and like we're trying to clear it and he just has a guy on his back and he's just so unbothered by it. Um, so it could just be him getting used to the pace that we play at, that the Premier League operates at, even though that was a European game. Um, not to harp on the manager because Moyes has been also unbelievable for the last three results. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you wonder if misplaced passes like that by any player could be because 
tactically in possession. We're not as polished as other teams with the triangles and everything. But we've played some really good stuff the last few weeks. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Bournemouth game where we looked like a prime Barca side, it was, it was insane. The Bournemouth um, game looked like a prime West Ham side. Well, uh, yeah, but then towards the end, we were really passing the ball around, which was a joy to see. Uh, going back to like Paqueta's like little uh, passing like thing where he, that you know that he does, uh, I think a lot of that is, I think he unlike the rest of the squad, doesn't really have that option like in his head where, you know, if nothing's there, just boot it. It's not. It's just not in his DNA to do that. His, he doesn't hoof the ball at all. Never. Like even when he goes long, it's so precise or he's picking somebody out like even in situations where he will hoof it long quote unquote um from deep in our own half it's always picking out the target man it's always trying to find antonio finds kamaka um can't really find ings but he hasn't really to be fair had the chance (laughs) to do that um exactly so like the fact that like every single pass he plays is with intent is it's just bound to you know slip up and messing up a, a hoofed ball into the abyss is obviously you know it's not the worst thing in the world but it's definitely not a positive oh yeah this is how he is and we i don't think it's necessarily something that we should even change no 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 like i would never like be like let's tell paqueta the hoof it more often i mean every once in a while the situation calls for it but i'm sure like like, he'll clear the ball out of our own box. Not saying he won't do that. But he – um, this is the kind of player that we've been crying out for for a long time. Um, and we've really reaped the rewards of it more than we've suffered for it over the course of the season. I mean, you even think back to the Fulham game. Uh, it was I think it was the passage of play that may have led to the corner that we got the penalty from, which I know was, like, really – grasping at straws in a way but he played a pass he had like two guys converging in on him and he just switched it to the left side I it's so long ago I can't really remember it perfectly now but he was really seemed like he was in trouble had nowhere to go and just switched the ball and now we're on the break and Cresswell's carrying the ball forward and he's been doing stuff like that all season um I mentioned this to you recently where I think his improvement because like We've both been happy with Paqueta and like think he's a really great player, which obviously he is. If you didn't think that at any point, you're pretty foolish, in my opinion. It's just about if the signing itself was going to work, which I always had faith it would. But now we're seeing full, complete performances from from him, where it's because the beginning he would drift in and out of games, and you'd get these patches in games where he would be almost unplayable, like Fulham. I think is foam at home. Sorry, is a great example. Um, but now it's just ninety minutes, just relentlessly like chasing after the ball. He's not the most polished or efficient tackler, but he's willing to get in there, which I think he's shown over the course of the season. But he doesn't hide from the ball. Not to say he ever has, but now like he's really getting on the ball, and making a difference for us. Yeah, I mean, this is something I mentioned to you earlier. Um, I, it felt like in the beginning of the season, there we, there was just Paqueta and the rest of you know the, his his options ahead of him was kind of just like 
trying to fit a round hole into a square peg where it was, you know, he, the, the type of passes that he was delivering maybe weren't the right passes for Ben Rahm or for Antonio or for Bowen. And it, it caught on quicker with Skamaka, maybe because he just has more technical quality than those guys. Um, but it took a while for Paqueta to kind of just, you know, gain that chemistry with, with those attacking options, and he's done it really well. I um, think something else, point. not to cut you off, something else with Skamaka that I'm just thinking of now, like obviously he has more technical quality than Antonio, um, but I think another reason why those two may have messed so quickly together is A, like they both joined over the summer, so like naturally two new signings, probably like trying to get to know people, like, hey, you just signed, I just signed, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also... I would assume that in training sessions and things like that, when players are split up in the teams, maybe not every time, but you would assume that Moyes would be trying to get his two, what he viewed as big money attackers on the same wavelength. So I'm sure that they spent more time playing with each other than maybe Skamaka, than maybe Paqueta spent feeding Antonio the ball or Bowen the ball. But I do want to talk about Bowen and Paqueta's relationship because that's been one that I think would obviously flourish as with Skamaka and Bowen, just how often Bowen makes himself available with running in behind or just all the movement he has off the ball. Um, it was always obvious, or you would hope that Paqueta and him would have a good relationship. And even you can remember the pass Paqueta played to him against Wolves really early on in the season. Um, I mean, against Bournemouth and Ghent, those two, he, fi- he finds him every time. Yeah, I mean... I think their their relationship kind of peaked at, um, at Bournemouth at Vitality. It was like Bone was just running, and then Paqueta was just placing it perfectly at his feet with like a variety of like different passes. It was yeah, awesome. and that that's another thing about Paqueta is the the diversity of the passes he can play is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but like going back to the stuff about him never hoofing it. There's like two in the game against Bournemouth where you almost think, okay, like he just kicked that forward and then it lands right at Bowen's feet. And you can say, okay, like it's luck or whatever. But like he's probably just playing it to an area that he's learned over the course of time that Bowen is going to be there. And it couldn't have been a more perfect pass either. Like he had to put that ball in the air. And then also at the same time, like it was just landing perfectly at Bowen. Like it was, it was amazing, honestly. And I would say Moyes' quote-unquote vision for this midfield has really come together against Ghent and Bournemouth Um, because Suchek has had probably maybe his two best games of the season. Bournemouth was definitely his best performance of the season. Um, But, like, Rice and Paqueta are just running games, and Suchek against Bournemouth really looked like the Suchek from the last time we were fighting relegation when we originally signed him, I remember his, I think it was his debut against Liverpool, just breaking up everything. Such an issue. Yeah. I mean, talk about carrying your weight. Suchek absolutely, you know, was a part of that midfield. Oh my God. Credit where credit's due. He was dominant. And an interesting adjustment for Moyes is that he did put Paqueta back as the, uh, the most advanced uh, of the three. Um, which I which I do like. I, I get why Paqueta was playing deeper. Um and I think it I think once now that he's settled fully, um, he's more comfortable 
playing in those deeper uh, in those more forward areas, um, and it's it's benefited everyone, especially Suchek. I agree with that, but I would also say that I think over the last month or so, and like I mean we've been playing this four three three for a while, but I think especially with like the Suchek pushing higher up stuff, he would be really nowhere to be found in midfield. Mm-hmm which, like, is also an issue as much as, like, Piquetta not being comfortable up there early in the season was. But I think now it's really just a true midfield three, and Piquetta is just naturally the one who goes forward the most. Like, I wouldn't describe what he's doing as playing as a 10. He's just the most advanced of a midfield three, which I think is the best way to get the the best out of these three. Absolutely. Because it's not like – well, Suchek – when he was playing as the most advanced eight, I'm not going to call him a 10 just for my own sanity. Um, <laughs> but he, he was like disjointed from the other two. It was really just a pivot with him playing with the attack. He just and, wasn't involved. We've seen that when he's gotten pushed further up before. Like he can make his runs into the box and stuff, but he's just not a part of the game. And exactly. then, like, you know, you're not have him out, you don't have him out there for his passing, but he's like between the three midfield players, I would say Suchek's the worst pressing player of the three just because rice and piquette have more athleticism to be able to do it um but like you lose the ball and he's up standing next to bowen and antonio and now this guy is supposed to be a destroyer and they're just walking through our midfield exactly and now you're now you're expecting piquette to do that suchek role the the role that suchek does admittedly admittedly really well is you know step in front of those those counter attacks and you know like we saw against bournemouth um, yeah. but I mean, regard like he, he was, he was putting up eight passes a game for like a month and a half. <laughs> the, the craziest stretch of games we've ever seen from him. And he's had some crazy ones. It was like, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Like the eye test. It was like, where the hell is this guy? <laughs> he couldn't find them, man. He was like ghosting in like the, the most literal sense of the term. Um, but it's over now, thank God. Um, yeah, hopefully. He's honestly been contributing with the, the in the buildup. I yeah, I thought I thought against Ghent, not to cut not to cut you off again, but against Ghent and Bournemouth, I thought he was really great. Even if it's just being like, like a deflector, just like being a body where like Paqueta can play a pass, and then like Suchek could just like one touch it into like a gulf of space for like Bowen or something like that, just like to continue like. He doesn't have to be a genius. We're not asking him to be another creative outlet. Just like a person in like – because he's taking up good spaces uh, naturally in the midfield. He just needs to like continue like our chain of possession that Paqueta usually starts or Rice is starting. Um, And that's really not a a crazy ask, but he's not been doing it for a really long time, and now he is, um, which I, I, I would credit. Uh, to part of our attacking success. I mean, 10 goals in three games. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we've scored four in two straight games, and we scored two against the league leaders currently, which could Mm -hmm. change in the next 24 hours. I mean, I I guess it wouldn't change Mm because they don't have a game in hand, but it... it, Mentality-wise. It would would change. Um, But, yeah, for Suchek, it's just about making himself available for the ball. And just like having the confidence to get on the ball and try to play a pass. And because when he really kills us, I would almost argue more than when he's ghosting, 
is when he gets on the ball and he just takes a touch and then another touch and then another touch and then he looks and he doesn't see anything and he takes another touch and then everybody is set and then he plays it to Kufal. Or back to the center backs. Yeah, that's when it's a serious, serious issue. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else I wanted to highlight, Mikhail Antonio. It feels like every time one of us two says, you know, I don't think he'll ever score a Premier League goal again for us. <laughs> he scores a Premier League goal. I said it before the fourth. I said it last week. Yeah, you said it last week. I said it to you not uh, on record um, before the Forest game, and he scored. And then you said it last week, and now he went and scored in Europe, and then he went and scored in the league. <laughs> yeah, he put he put two two goals on my head since I said that. I'll take it, man. He's been oh my god, what a godsend! Like we needed this so bad. So bad. We needed this so bad. Like, words cannot describe how bad we needed him to just get back to just being a great striker. And, and that's, he's been, that's what he's been. He's been a great striker since the Arsenal game. The story of Mikel Antonio under David Moyes is, you know, whenever we feel like we're like in a hole and we need something, someone, he just revives himself with like, you know, this ridiculous run of form that we didn't think existed anymore. What's the funniest about it is I remember um, under Pellegrini, the year we almost went down when Moyes came back, Antonio, I think he had a run of one goal and 100 shots. To be fair, he had two goals disallowed by VAR, which I don't know if they should have been disallowed. It was um, Southampton away and Chelsea away. Um, Two wins. Uh, which is crazy because we did not win a lot of games in the Pellegrini, but he had a, like to have a run of one goal and a hundred shots. And then in the same season, you score four in one game. There's no way to explain a player like that. You just gotta, you just gotta enjoy it. You just gotta embrace the ridiculousness that comes with this guy. And I, I've gone through so many cycles of wanting to just like, <laughs> kill him and then also being like how many strikers in world football would i replace him with right now <laughs> yeah and that's what's crazy is a few weeks ago it's like okay like he's gonna go like fine time's up he plays like this until the end of the season he better not be fucking going anywhere i don't even care if he's horrible next year <laughs> like i'll i'll do it all again man but then the, but then the issue is you got to get ings the hell out of here somehow you're telling me bro I've been saying this since January. <laughs> already, after the Everton game, I was like, okay, how are we getting this guy out of here? Um, another thing I love about Antonio's run of form, uh, and this is actually including the Forest goal in a way, I remember thinking it might have been last year because he did score from the set piece against Frankfurt, but let's not acknowledge that those games happened. Um, I just remember thinking like he used to score – and be such a threat from set pieces, and he used to score so many headed goals. Like, what ever happened to that? And I do understand that to an extent. Like, it's the way that we operate from corner kicks. He's there to make himself a nuisance for the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And he did. He scored from a corner against Southampton in the Cup and the league last year. Um, 
but the headed goals just felt like they disappeared. And now his last three league goals are all headers, and two of them are or not the league goals. His last three goals in all competitions are all headers, or that's also not true because he scored against Larnaca. God, he's been scoring in bunches. Um, he's back. Uh, we're back. He's back. We're back. Fall is back. Moyes is back. Um, we'll see how Watch long that lasts. He'll, he'll score in the uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but he'll score in in, uh, in Prague. He's gonna score tomorrow against Liverpool. Man, you know who else is gonna score tomorrow against Liverpool? Number eight. Mm-hmm. Pablito. He's gonna. You know he's gonna start that game. He might, dude. He he really might. I I wouldn't blame Moyes for a second. We looked so good when he came on. He just sobbed his way into the starting lineup. <laughs> no crying in sports, not for Pablito. I think Moyes is moved. Moyes is moved. He was talking about, oh, I wish I found more minutes for him. Like to be very real and serious. Like as much as like we both like Ben Rama, you probably more than me. I don't know if you'd agree with that. What's that face? Continue. Oh, oh, I thought you were just being like. No, I'm giving you a face, but. Oh, all right, all right. As much as we both like Ben Rama, and he's been really good this season, not taking anything away from him. And I'm not saying he should have been dropped like a million different times, but for Moyes to be like, oh, I wish I could have found four now's more minutes. The minutes were there. There was enough minutes to go to Fornals over the course of the season. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't. I don't really. You know, you are the manager. You can just play him. You know. Yeah, it's not like no one's undroppable. And Ben Rama is. It's like Ben Rama's been good, but like he hasn't been good enough that he's like first name on the team sheet. Like he's forcing your hand. Like I, I don't agree with that. Especially, Maybe. there's been some games that we really could have used Fornals in. I mean, I guess from his perspective, maybe he just viewed Ben Rama as like, you know, maybe essential as a penalty taker. There's a, there's a lot of different ways that he could have viewed it. Um, I mean, definitely in a way of like getting the ball up the pitch and stuff, he's been really good at that. And I think, I honestly think part of Moy's thought process, which is a big part of my thought process with Ben Rama over Fornells too, is that we weren't scoring goals the attackers weren't producing. If you're just choosing purely from a cutting edge standpoint and like who's going to bring you goals, at least just like theoretically, I don't know about statistically, but theoretically like Ben Rama does bring you more goals than Fornals in theory, his play style and who he is. Yeah. I mean, there, there's obviously reasons for why Ben Rama would play over Fornals and, I, th- I think it's it's honestly like really hard to compare like who's better that like asking a question like that is yeah, just I like agree. you're just asking a question of like two com- totally different players and I guess maybe Moyes just wanted like you said the profile of a more cutting edge like guy who can produce a moment of magic not yeah, direct for now's scorpion yeah and he produce a moment of magic Pablo for now just scored a fucking worldy um. But yeah, there's uh, definitely use for him as a substitute. Um, use for him, he he does play multiple positions. Um, that I think Moyes has always kind of under uh, utilized. 
yeah. I guess besides that little spell where he was getting played at left wing back, which I did personally enjoy. That was special. Um, I also think that Ben Rama could just use a break at this mm-hmm. point. He's played a lot of games. Um, yep. And, you know, like he's been decent these last two games, but it has been slowing down for him a bit. I think just, you know, give him – like it's a midweek game. Just give Fournals a chance see what happens. We have a lot of games coming up. And this obviously means a lot to Fournals. I mean – that was such a special moment, just him crying on the on the pitch after scoring a goal. After it was that. crazy. The hell I'm sure boys just shed a tear too, honestly, after those comments. As he should, man. Um, and the other thing I was gonna say is that Fornells loves Liverpool. He does love a game against Liverpool. He loves this opponent, but. I think that we would both start Fornals against Liverpool. Would you? I would. I don't know. I really don't know. I know what's, it's close what's, to what's holding you back. Well, you know the golden rule, right? What's the golden rule? There's no changing a winning side. All right, David Moyes. But seriously, what other changes? Like, would you make any other changes? Would you rotate at all? Um, you know, hmm, it's 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 difficult because it's really hard to it. It is legitimately really hard to make a change because we've been playing the same lineup since um since Ghent, and most of the spine from from the Fulham game has been playing, and you know we've just been so good. How could you abandon? Um, what's what's been getting us these results when they've been so few, uh, few and far to, um, between uh, all season, you know? No, yeah. What moves me, I, for the record, for now is the only change that I would make. Um, That's fair. I think if there was a change to make, it would be him. Like, I'd be tempted to maybe throw Carrera in it right back, you know, rotate. Kufal's had injury issues. You're going to play a lot of games. But at the same time, like, Kufal's been amazing. He hasn't deserved to be dropped. I understand it's midweek, but, you know, keep playing your guys. Like, we're in good form. Build on that. Absolutely. Um, But I would make the four nows change, and the two things that move me are that it's a midweek game and it's Liverpool. And it's also he played well last game. And Ben Rama hasn't been exactly his best. I wouldn't be saying this is like, you know, four nows is now replacing Ben Rama in this best 11 that we have, but it's his chance. I'd, I'd play, uh, I'd play Cresswell for the record. Cause that's the, yeah, no, he, he played against, um, Bournemouth. Yeah, but he didn't play against Ghent. So, Oh yeah. I was, I was saying that I wouldn't change from Bournemouth. Oh, okay. Cause Emerson said, can play in Europe or whatever. Yeah. Cause, uh, well, Emerson was the only change between, uh, between Ghent and Arsenal. And Bournemouth, so I just wanted to make that clear. No, yeah, you're right. Um, I really have nobody else to point out because, I mean, everybody else, it's like the Kufal thing I talked about last week is just you just love that he's solid and you don't have to say a word about him. This is mm-hmm. what he does. Uh, Bowen is back. He's been back. The center backs, man. Guerd and Zuma looked unbeatable against Bournemouth. I know Guerd had a few... Weird moments. Um, I think he's just getting his confidence back from that mistake in Newcastle. But 
man, those two together. I mean, Zuma is unbelievable. Zuma is literally – I saw somebody say this on Twitter. They said that Zuma hasn't – I mean, Chelsea have not found a better center back since they got rid of Zuma. I think that's a little crazy, but they could use him. He's certainly good they enough. They could absolutely so. use him. He's absolutely good enough still for the top level. Who has performed better for Chelsea than Zuma for us since he left? Um, well, Silva was there, so doesn't count him. Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, I rate, I rate Body of Shield really, really highly. He's the one that you can argue because I think that Fofana hasn't played enough. Um, and obviously, like I think we're both huge fans of Mr. Wesley Fofana. He hasn't played enough. I think he has a bright future if he can stay fit. Koulibaly's been terrible. And then they didn't get Kunde after they sold us um, Zuma. Right, so, their master plan. And Zuma, I would argue, has improved since coming here. I mean, I think he just fits a David Moyes side better than a generally expansive side. Or, I mean, do Chelsea even play that expansively? But, like... <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say? Like, not to say that he can't play expansively. He can, especially next to a center back like Aguirre. The, the way the way we set up, I I see what you're saying. The way we set up amplifies all of Zuma's strengths. Yeah, and minimizes all his weaknesses. He fits us like a glove. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a signing! And I know I wanted Milinkovic. I mean, to be fair, I was high on Zuma. Like we both agreed that him under Moyes would be unbelievable. I think I just. I like the shiny object from abroad. I was mm. like, you know, Milinkovic is $17.5 million. It was like a cute little signing. And for the record, I would still sign Milinkovic if he became available to us. Um, probably go after Maguire instead. But, you know, I would definitely not say no to Milinkovic. But, man, I mean, talk about making the right decision at the last second. I personally was never for a moment. You I can victory lap. As soon as Zuma was linked with us, with the most flimsy sources, I don't know who broke it at first, but as soon as I heard the word Zuma and West Ham in the same sentence, I was I never wanted to hear Milankovic's name ever again. I was like, Zuma's the guy, and, and thank God that Moyes agreed, you know, or maybe he he didn't even agree. That, I think that I, I think that true. he did. There's a good chance he did, but. I remember it being like, you know, Milankovic was the guy for most of the summer, and then, you know, that kind of fizzled. And then it was, I don't remember clearly, but I I I remember this saga vividly for some reason, but you can finish. No, yeah, it did did feel like we like pivoted to Zuma. Um, Well, what I remember happening is that Milankovic was done. mm -hmm. Like he was, like we were gonna schedule a medical and then the wages huh wasn't it agent fees yeah it was like wages and agent fees and i think that if milinkovic was really moises like number one over zuma i mean we've seen this before like what we just did with ings i know money was different than it was right after covid but if that was really if moise was really like i want milinkovic instead of zuma like we would have gotten Milinkovic because like we paid 30 million pounds for Zuma and then like he he's on high wages I think he was our highest earner when he joined and like I'm sure Zuma's agent fees weren't cheap 
plays for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Like, so the deal really couldn't have been much cheaper than a Milinkovic deal would have been. Like, could Milinkovic have been demanding more than one hundred twenty-five thousand a week? And a, you know, Zoom is probably demanding multi-million pound agent fees. Like, was the Milinkovic deal going to be worth more than 30, 35 million pounds? I don't think so. Yeah, I guess to that point, if you if you think about it logically, I mean, we know Moyes very well at this point. So does all of our listeners, most likely. If you just think a lot about it logically, like does does Moyes want you know a Premier League veteran, no nonsense, dominates in the air type center back, or this largely unknown guy from Fiorentina? Unexperienced in Europe at that point. Who is well, who's very good? To be who, who is good, but there's certainly more question marks around Milankovic than, than Zuma. Especially for somebody like David Moyes. And and coming from Chelsea, I mean this is a David Moyes. This guy song. loves signing players from Chelsea. And you know what? It's 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 worked every time. Yeah, you love Emerson? I you know he's He's good enough for me. He's good enough. I like Emerson. If you contextualize him as our backup left back, he is fine. I agree. I do agree with that. Um, And then another thing on Zuma is that going off of if Moyes really wanted it done, it would get done. Zuma had question marks during the medical. There were question marks around his wages. The deal, I feel like, almost got canceled because of his knee during the medical. Mm -hmm. And he still signed for us. So when you really break it down zuma must have been moise's guy yeah me and moise at that point in time we're on we're on some different type of chemistry whenever me and moise or you and moise are like on the same wavelength of something it's always coming off i feel like every single time it's been it's been good i agree with that but i would also say something that helps that is um not to leave out rob newman because as we just saw uh castellanos is that his name? Tati Castellanos. Yeah, just scored four goals against Real Madrid. And he was a Rob Newman target that Moyes vetoed. Do so. not search Tati Castellanos on my Twitter account. <laughs> That's all I'll say regardless. I don't even want to know what you said. Recent development. I have no desire to know what you were saying today. Um, But yeah, I mean, whenever Moyes and Newman are in agreement on a player... I mean, both of their eyes for talent are ridiculous. Like Moyes, you know, you say whatever the hell you want to say about him. The guy knows a good player when he sees one. Mm-hmm. Like he's – how many signings has he missed? A couple. And, you know, nobody's immune to human error. Every he's club shooting like 80%. Yeah. He missed on Vlasic. What else did he miss on? Jury's out on Carrera, I'd say. Carrera's a panic buy. Like, not to say that, like, you know. And we don't really know whether or not he's a yeah. block or not. He's been playing good. Like, we don't know exactly what direction this is going to go in. And, you know, I'm willing to cut him some slack on careers. 30 million pound center back who everyone in the fan base is in love with got hurt in a friendly. And he had a month until the season started and zero, and one fit center back. Mm-hmm. And, and under the circumstances, he made a you know, pretty decent signing, all emotions aside. Yeah, and he, you know, he's playing a right back at center back that half this fan base despises right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a panic buy. And then you look at the other ones, Ariola, good signing, no matter really what you think about him, especially when you take the loan season into account. 
Um, and yeah, Ariola was our goalkeeper through like the most magical uh, competition run that this this team has ever seen, and it, it's going again. So God yeah. bless. Yeah, and then you know the other guys, Paqueta's a hit, Aguirre's a hit. Skamaka, no matter really what you want to say about him, it's been a it's, tough injury mart season, but that's a hit. That's a really good player. player. Um, and, you know, even if he doesn't know how to use him immediately, these are good players. Still, uh, we still got our win against the top six in the bank, don't we? Yeah, it's uh, the, it's in the bank, and it could be this one. It could very well be this one. All the ingredients are there. Antonio likes the game against Liverpool. He's playing his best ball since last year. Fornals loves the game against Liverpool. All signs point to him getting a start. They don't like to play away. They don't like to really at any team. They don't like to play us in the last few years. I mean, they've beaten us a few times, but I feel like we've really given them problems. I mean, even the two games we lost 1-0 really shouldn't have been losses. We beat them last year. I know they've been playing well recently, and Jota's back, I believe. I wouldn't even characterize what they've been doing as playing well. They've just been in like the goofiest run of form that anyone has ever been in, dating back to the beginning of this month. I mean... They lost four one to City. They drew nil nil to Chelsea Liverpool. Um, they drew to Arsenal. They beat down Leeds six one, and then they just narrowly scraped a win uh, against Nottingham Forest at Anfield. So you like us, you really just don't know who you're, which Liverpool you're getting uh, week in and week out. So and this to- is. Probably the most positive run of performances we've strung together all season. And it, you know, games at home, fans are going to be up for it. Fans are going to be behind them because not only have the first team been good for a week or two, I mean, the under 18s just won a youth cup final. Like, the club is in a pretty good place right now for how this season has gone. Yeah, it's been, it's been all smiles since, uh, since the since the Fulham game, really, um, you know, like I I think the boys are really confident going into tomorrow. I think, you know, we know what we have to do. We know how to. A lot of the new signings know how to how we're gonna set up and how we're gonna beat these teams. Um, I know this is probably as high as confidence has been. Mm-hmm. I would argue. I know you mentioned like Paqueta, um, you know, drifts in and out of games. Uh, well, he was drifting out of in and out of games, but now he's like used to playing in these low possession, you know, grinded out type games. He even said that he um, was feeling more comfortable with the physicality and speed of the Premier League. I saw a quote from him. So there's no reason that we can't get a result from Liverpool tomorrow, but I don't want to skip over 
the FA Youth Cup final and what these under-18s have done. I want to talk about them. They have delivered at every moment that we've asked them to deliver. And not only have they delivered, they've delivered emphatically. I, I for one, am absolutely floored by what I saw today. Because not only did they play them off the pitch, off of their own pitch, they got smacked in the mouth in the first 10 minutes because, you know, Arsenal playing at the Emirates, um, they were probably a little more confident because of that. We got smacked in the mouth and we said, okay, here's two more for y'all. <laughs> yeah, here's two more. Here's a worldie. Here's two set pieces. Dave and Moyes, are you watching? They were just so much more physical. Like they were just beating beating Arsenal to every you know loose ball. It was it was unbelievable. They and, beat them in every aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. And to be fair to Arsenal, even down three one, they created problems for us. And yeah, we might have looked a little bit shaky, but these are kids, and this is how this is how these youth games go. It's easier to score goals at youth level. Just players are worse. But they stood up to the challenge every single time. Every single time. Oh, not 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 faulting Arsenal at all. I think this score didn't really reflect how the performance that they put in. I thought they were pretty good. I think 3-1 would have been fair, 4-2. <laughs> yeah, but Jesus Christ. I mean, it looked like every single time we were on the break, it was, it was a goal. Yeah, and every time we went forward, it looked like scoring. And these boys, they're... Their their ball striking, I think just just starting from that, is unreal. Every like, you know, Earthy's goal was taken so well. Even a shot that Earthy missed in the beginning of the second half was, I mean, it took an amazing save to get to take it out of the the, the net. Uh, Kodua's, uh, you know, chip, unreal. Just they all look like professionals, don't they? Like at least championship players if not good enough to play for us one day. Um, and, like, the ball striking and things like that's a perfect way to do it. I think Earthy's a perfect example of that. The, I mean, I said this on here before, but the way he moves with the ball, the way he passes the ball, the way he drifts in the space and makes himself available for passes in between the lines, the way he's able to lay the ball off to his teammates, he is a joy to watch. And... I think he's the one I'm rooting for most to make it outside of Mubama, obviously, because like at this he's point, hopes are high. I can. And that's another Mubama. thing. Two really pos- big positives from today. Kind of the same thought, but also a different thought at the same time. I thought it was so impressive. They scored five goals, and Mubama did not contribute to one. And I thought Mubama played phenomenally and didn't have a hand in any goals, which I think is huge for from both sides to be able to see them get the job done without him, you know, carrying them, if you want to call it that, or scoring a goal, and to see him be involved in the game and really be a difference. I thought, I mean, you said this too, I thought he was the one who really helped us settle down and get back into the game. Mm-hmm. But for him to play like that and, you know, not hit the back of the net is great. I think – because Moyes, you know, we know what Moyes wants from a striker at this point. He wants a very complete player. And I, I think that Moyes was probably really impressed by what Mubama did today. Um, just being able to, you know, produce without, you know, 
putting a goal up on the on the score on the, on the stat sheet. Um, yeah, really impressive from Obama. He's impressed me more every time I've watched them. I think that's probably what the fifth or sixth time we've watched them this year. And if we just go through each performance um, at Bucharest away, worked his ass off, got what we all want to be a goal and what he believes is a goal. Mm-hmm. But you know, he looked raw. But you tried out there. Second performance, I believe it would have been Arsenal away in the league. Didn't really get a touch. Like I think he had like one or two nice layoffs. Worked his ass off again. We saw the physicality in that game. He, you know, he 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 yeah. looked the part. He did not look out of place. Um, he played like ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then Derby County, another few nice layoffs. Did all right. I think that was maybe the most underwhelming one, but. Again, did not look out of place. Um, and then Larnaca scored a goal. Looked unbelievable. Great finish for the situation that it is. It's a striker's instinct. And really looked great, looked confident, looked like he felt like he belonged in that team with us. Um, and then these two last Youth Cup games, I feel like, I haven't seen him look that polished with the ball anytime we've played. Now, granted, you know, he's playing with under 18s and he's already a PL2 player at worst at 18. Mm-hmm. But every time I watch him play, he impresses me more. And he impressed me more today than he did against Southampton. And he didn't even score a goal. Yeah. I mean, talk about going straight to the top. I mean, Obama's ready. He's just yeah. ready. He, he should be a part of the squad next year. Like, they, they have to find the place for him. Like, I don't care if that's reactionary or whatever, but that's the thing about this team is, okay, you're high on these guys. You think they're all really good. Fine. Find a way to use them because that's the hard part about developing these players into pros for us is finding the right way to use them, finding the place in the squad for them because you are paying transfer fees for players. You're paying these guys big wages. You have to make a place. And with Mubama, that question is probably harder than it is at a lot of other positions because you have three strikers that are all making big money or you've spent big money on. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? I really, if Antonio keeps his form up, I don't want to be the one to answer the question. I don't know how you get, how the hell you get Ings off the books on these wages. I don't know what you do. Um, Nottingham Forest, I got a deal for you. Yeah. But you got to find the place for him because a few of the other ones, like Lanzini is leaving, most likely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to replace him considering, you know, Fornals exists. You still have Cornet. I would like us to buy a left winger, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, so, you know, Earthy can just sit behind them and, you know, he could probably use another year down there, maybe alone. Um, yeah, there's no need to rush these guys. They are still 18. Yeah, there's no need to rush, but there's a need at least for the people within the club to start thinking about how do we bleed these guys in. Mm-hmm. There should be a plan. There needs to be a plan. There for, for, it's The difficult thing is that other than Obama and Scarls, you know, the guys who are just like eye-popping, like this is potentially a generational talent, um, it's really hard to know Who's going to be like, obviously they're not all going to make it. It just, it would be silly to think otherwise. But even not all... including Scarls in that. I think, Mubama, I think Mubama is the only one who I would guarantee. Obviously, if I had to bet, 
I would bet that Scarls would make it. But I think Mubama is the only one that like I'm nailed on. It'll be him. I disagree. I think Scarls is just as good as him, just younger and in a different position. That is the other thing. He's 17 fucking years old. Freshly 17 years old. Which is crazy. Right. Sounds real weird saying it like that. I mean, it's just crazy. No, uh, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, the kid was 16 years old and playing for her first team. So you are right. He'll make it. But that's that's the kind of the beauty of it is that it could be any of them. Exactly. And every time you watch him, there's another guy that pops off your screen. And you're like, wait, it's going to be him. Like that was Kodua for me today. I like Gideon Kodua, but I think I underappreciated him and underrated him from the times I've seen him play. Watching him play today outside of the goal, I mean the cross for the second goal. Cal, Cal Marshall scored that one, yeah? Yeah. Um, the cross for that goal is unbelievable. Um, the finish was much harder than I thought it was on first watch. Like first watch, I was like, oh, my God. But then he really had to get that perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to mention Cal Marshall for a second, we should probably wrap up this conversation because we could really talk about every single one of them. But Cal Marshall, I'm not the highest on or anything like that. But he scores every time he plays. He really does. And, you know, that was tremendous movement for – That's for, the thing uh, is that, like, they uh, all – not only are they all talented, they all have unique talents to themselves. N- none of them are really a copy of another one of them. Mm-hmm. And who knows? I mean, I don't think we're going to have to choose between Mubama and Cal Marshall. I mean, they meshed no, well no. together already. Even though they're yeah, both because Marshall, they like to shove out on those wings. I just, I, I don't know about him as a Premier League winger. But again, it's kind of harsh to say kids playing in an under eighteen cup. Mm-hmm. So there's really no way to know. And one last point, um, it'll be interesting to see how Kodua develops because today and in other times I've watched him, he's been so proficient not only. You know, in the middle of the pitch, but also you know leaking out to the right wing. So just positionally, where he ends up is going to be really interesting. Yeah, all of his movements, like everything he does, is so precise and measured, which is a really mature thing for a young player to have. Earthy has it too, and you know it's something very real to get excited about with this team. And now they've proved it, and now they get to play Manchester City for the national title in however many weeks time i don't know exactly when that game is they get to play them if they win that now this these under 18s will be playing in the youth equivalent to the champions league in the uefa youth league so things are looking up for them i'm expecting five five or six well city are the only team players to play for the Premier. oh oh i thought you're saying we're gonna put five on city i hope so but uh city are the only team from what I know in this whole under 18s universe that can match us. But that's the thing that I was listening to the commentators today too, who was saying he had watched um, us a bunch and city's youth kids a bunch, which like never put too much faith in a commentator generally, but you know, talk about youth teams. Like I'll take any buddy mm-hmm. I can get who's watched the games. Um, the way he was talking about it, wasn't like uh, West Ham are gonna have to step up the city. He's talking about them like they're equals. And if you've seen some of these kids that City have, that's really saying something. I've actually never watched their U18s. I Borges plays for them, I think. Oh, Borges does play for them. I think so. 
I've I've watched them. I watched their U21s play against our U21s, and they demolished us. Um, Borges is actually 19. so I Oh, he doesn't play for them? I thought he did. He might. I don't know. Like, yeah, we got Daniel Rigg, man. We stole him. Imagine <laughs> he scores the winner against City and celebrates. <laughs> that would be so funny. Oh, man. Uh, he actually has... He has his no uh, no appearances for the U18s this season, Carlos Borges. Yeah, he's 19, I guess. I just didn't know like when his birthday. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be very interesting to see who the ones are that make it, if they really make it, not to get too ahead of ourselves. But like, we know that if, if we probably. don't get multiple from this group, I'll be very disappointed. Historically. That's that's what we get is is historically three, two, three. is like the conservative estimate, and then you, know, you factor in the fact that we you know we smoke everybody we play, yeah, including yeah. the final. We won by four goals, first first in history of the uh, the one leg format. Yeah, and it's like the last team to really smoke everybody like this was the Chelsea teams with like, they got like fucking nine guys playing in the Premier League. It's ridiculous. How many England internationals were on that team? Reese James, Mark Gahey, Connor Gallagher, Billy Gilmore is a Scottish international. Uh, Tariq Lamptey is Ghanaian now. Yeah. So that's just five internationals off the top of my head. Calvin Madoy is a English international. Musiala was in those reserves too. Yeah, Musiala is a German international. He's the best teenager That's in the world. world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Mubama is next up to be the best teenager in the world. We'll be talking about him alongside Rich James. Gareth Southgate, get your notepad out. Yeah, yeah. Harry Kane, your time is up. <laughs> I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, and I think that we should start with this result. Southampton 3, Arsenal 3. The hell is going on? Are Arsenal going to figure this out against City? Uh, you know, I've always thought of this Arsenal team as a very you know calm, for, for their age at least, as like very, very composed side. You know, they're... they're They've dealt with adversity this season, and they've overcome it. They've done it in the Bournemouth game. They scored a winner in the Leeds game. Um, they were very much so not the better side and, and still found a way to get the three points. Um, but it's kind of unraveling right now. I think I think that ha- definitely has to do with the fact that Manchester City look like they're never going to lose a game for the rest of their lives. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely unraveling. So I, I'm getting nervous as someone who's pulling for Arsenal. I would love to see Arsenal beat them tomorrow. Me too. Not only because, like, I don't care that much who wins the league because, you know, I don't want to see City win it again. That's boring. But, you know, I also don't want to see Thomas Party win it. So it's yeah. like it's a double-edged sword. Um. But I would love to see Arsenal beat City because 
it just throws another wrinkle in it. And with the way things are going, it almost feels like Arsenal like will be playing like they have nothing to lose against City, so they could win that game. But it's like when Arsenal are playing with something to lose, that's when it tightens up, and that's when things get nervous. So right. to throw another wrinkle in there, like it could, City could still win the league even if Arsenal beat them because it could still get really weird. I think that's the fact that Saliba is out now and he's going to be out for, it seems like, the rest of the season. That's brutal. That's I think that can you know, be traced back to their recent results, the fact that they've had, they have not had him. Yeah, they and I don't think it's about only general. about missing Saliba. I think it also has to do with who your replacement is because they're just not a deep team. At the end, I think that's like what a lot of people would have said with hold them back this year. I think a lot of people would have said it would hold them back. You know, it have them fighting, scrapping for top four rather than fighting, scrapping for the title. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the lack of depth, and you know the winger depth is there, the striker depth is there. But once you get into midfield and center defense, it gets gross. And Tamiyasu is also out, so you don't want to go into a title clash with Rob Holding as your center back. Yeah, it's 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 scary. It's beyond scary. I don't even know what. The right word is for it. It's it's an abomination. It's an indictment on the Premier League. <laughs> um, well, he wasn't able to hang with Antonio. Nobody can hang with Antonio like, these days. But to be fair, Rob Holding might have just set this guy off again. <laughs> he yeah. might be the reason. Well, Holding is a less physically demanding matchup this, uh, tomorrow with, with Holland. So maybe he'll be able to adjust. Yeah, you know, Holland is a good player, but he's not what Antonio is physically. Antonio, you know, he's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger. He's probably a better finisher. You know, he links got to more play. Money. He's got more money. He's He does got more money. As, more as he let everybody know in Frankfurt, he's got more money. <laughs> um, we're joking. Anybody can't tell. Um, but I'm not joking. Um, Mikel Antonio, <laughs> if you're listening, um, you fully won me back. Um, I, you know, Antonio should come on this podcast with his with his bud Cal Wilson. We should have go conversation. on conversation. I'll do a show for them. They do a show for us. <laughs> um, some other interesting results going on around the league. Newcastle six, Tottenham one. <laughs> oh man, this that that is an interesting result. Good observation, Jack. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were watching that together, and yeah, we, we had that. Uh, yeah, we were in a uh, we were in a bar, and uh, you know West Ham's was on one screen, and um, Newcastle Tottenham really on the other screen. It was almost impossible, despite our great performance, to keep focused on on our own our own match because every time you know we looked up, it was another goal uh, for Newcastle. And you know, to my to my absolute pleasure, almost every single one of them was a goalkeeper error. Yeah, Lloris is horrible. He got hooked at halftime. Which is insane. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw a goalkeeper get genuinely hooked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it happens in hockey, I guess. I mean, I don't know shit about hockey, but that does not happen in the sport. Almost and, uh, ever. They fired their manager. Their caretaker manager. Okay, um, and just to give everybody the breakdown. It was the morning, and so West Ham played nine a.m. Uh, Eastern time and the Knicks played at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we're 
getting ready to go to the Knicks game in the city and watch the West Ham game at a shout out Smithfield Hall. Smithfield Hall. The official the official, uh, the official West, Ham West Ham bar of, of, of New the York United City. States of America. Oh yeah, of the United States of America because New York City is all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um and like it was so weird because like we're watching West Ham and you know game just starts cheer like what the hell's going on over there Tottenham conceded oh that's hilarious Larry sucks we scored a goal oh my god we scored first 15 minutes cheer cheer Tottenham are down three nil Paquette the scores cheer cheer Tottenham are down five nil like what is going on um really yeah, cannot man. remember the last time I've seen a performance like that from a team. It, it seemed like the West Ham, the other West Ham supporters in the bar, were like more invested in Tottenham. In Tottenham conceding, yeah. Than the best performance that West Ham has put together all season. That it really, that's really what it was like. So real. Um, which is hysterical. I wonder if the restarts wins their next game. I, I could not waste my energy thinking about that. It would be really funny if he didn't. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, um, they're terrible. Like that. That's you can't lose like that. And the funniest thing is, teams they're getting killed for it for reimbursing their fans, and like teams, you know, don't really do that in real life. But you know, we've had some bad performances over the season where people are like, we should be reimbursed. The uh, four, Oxford four, West Ham nil comes to mind, mm-hmm. which like we, I, our fans should have been reimbursed for that. That was absurd. Yeah. Um, our fans deserve reparations for every game Roberto played, but it was almost hilarious being like, this is the one, like, this is when fans get reimbursed. It was the perfect storm, you know, eight hour journey. I think it is from London to Newcastle and you can see it five and 20 minutes. How embarrassing. It could have been eight, could have been nine. Like, Oh, easily. It's insane. But, you know, Harry Kane got his one. He's stat padding. That's what he does. That's your goal. That's your all-time goal leader, ladies and gentlemen. Gets the most important ones. Um, but, yeah, it could, it could have been eight or nine if Lloris stayed in. Could have been eight or nine if Lloris stayed in. That's right. Um, just a few other results that caught my eye was Wolves won 2-0 today. At Palace, with an own goal and a penalty in the third and 94th minute, I am sick and tired of Wolves. Um, Villa won again. Sick and tired of them. And Leeds and Leicester drew, which is a pretty great result for us. Yeah. That was also a great finish, too. Either team could have won it. Yeah. What, Leicester had put the ball in the back of the net three times? Had two chalked out? Yep. Uh, first was at the beginning of the game, first 10 minutes, and then in the 85th minute, Vardy had it in the back of the net right after they scored their equalizer. It's unbelievable, man. Must suck being down there. Yeah. Sure it does. I remember how I felt two weeks ago. Yeah. I, we got to keep taking care of business. We got to – yeah, I actually – honestly, I don't either. <laughs> but we got to keep tearing, taking care of business. Um you can get some tomorrow at Liverpool. I mean, Palace is a very winnable game at Selhurst over the weekend. Feels uh, like one more and we're safe. Yeah. And then it's back in the Europe, isn't it? Mm-hmm. AZ after that. Yeah, we better we better win that tie. 
We'll have to get Alan or, or Wesley on to, uh, to tell us a little bit down. about AZ. I'll, of course, do my own due diligence for my food. That'll be two different breakdowns from who I believe are the same person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put, like, a voice because out. Alan is horrified of AZ. Wesley thinks they're horrible. From what I saw of them, I'm not that comfortable going there. I would like us to put in a very good performance and, you know, Maybe if we can go to uh, the Netherlands with a two-goal lead, at least win the game at home, because I'm confident in us getting you know a draw there. Mm-hmm. But I would really love a two-goal question going there because you know they really caused Anderlecht problems. Not that Anderlecht are on our level, but they they looked scary from what I saw in that game. Yeah, I mean we can't knock them out, right? They're just they're just one of those resilient sides. They they went to the they they faced the the favorites of the tournament according to probably a decent amount of people. Lazio beat them, went um, into the second leg of the Anderlecht tie down two nil, won on penalties. So they're just like a tricky could have easily could have easily been over in normal time. So yeah. like they're not in the semifinal for no reason, but you know. It's all about us doing what we do and taking care of business at the end of the day. That's what this tournament is all about. It's about being mature. It's about being professional. And it's about, you know, putting in the performances that you need to. Mm-hmm. Which I think this team has shown really good focus in this competition. I think that they know how much it means as much as we know how much it means. Because, you know, this is a squad full of players now that's not going to be happy not being in European competition. And they're not all gonna get away like if like we don't get europe you know a lot of i would argue most would be stuck yeah and i think i think uh beyond that um a lot of the guys you know like rice um you know the guys who have been here the guys who have been here throughout the Moy's journey know the standards that they've set for themselves and um you know, feel like they've let down the fans, and you you hear that in the po- the post game yeah. uh, conferences, and they they feel like winning this trophy is like a you know, I'm sorry, like a consolation, not a really a consolation because it's, it's more like, than a consolation. The, the goal that we set out for the season, where it's yeah. like, well, we can save this thing, like it, it doesn't have to be all bad. Yeah, it that's exactly what it is. It's say winning the comp- winning this competition is saving the season and more honestly, because mm-hmm. you really couldn't have asked for more from this season than a trophy in qualifying for European competition. And if we can do that all in the next three games in Europe, that's the perfect way to do it. Dream. some rapid fire questions i know that you were excited for this week i am i because you I have some this time um all right we'll start with the big one um today still currently in, in the states is david moore's birthday which we've kind of buried the lead on um but i would like to ask you what is your favorite ridiculous david moore's match day decision that ended up working out you actually talked to me about this before. 
I should have spent time thinking about it because now I'm going to be sitting here like you trying to think of a question, trying to think of an answer. And so many spring to mind, ones that worked, ones that didn't work. Uh, you know, there's, um, what do you call it? There's the Fredericks at right wing experiment, <laughs> which to lock up Jack Relish, which God damn it, was that genius. Was probably the biggest stroke of genius he's ever had. <laughs> that was unbelievable. <laughs> like, and I liked how he would pull it out at the end of games after that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, there's other ones like Teal Carrera at left back. I know he's played there before in his career, but, you know, let's get serious mm-hmm. playing Carrera at left back. That was a failure. Um, let's talk about the good ones. And, you know, I don't think that this is necessarily a ridiculous match day decision, but I'm going to go way back to his first stint. And I'm going to say starting Arnautovic at striker against Chelsea. That's and so cool. The reason I'm going to say that is not only was Arnautovic a winger, obviously, we all know that, that he converted to a striker. I mean, he was a striker at Inter Milan when he was young. Um, it was also his birthday recently. But Marco Arnautovic could not have been more on the outs, could not have been more despised by the fan base when Moyes came. And I think he gave him a few chances on the wing against Watford. He was in and out of the team. Moyes didn't – I think he didn't win his first four when he joined us, um, lost to Watford. I'm trying to think of the other games he lost. Lost a few. Um, now, you have this big week coming up, City and Chelsea. You go 1-0 up at City, and you end up losing 2-1 in like a really hard-fought performance. But you bring Arnautovic on last 25, 20 minutes, play striker, makes a difference. Decided to give him a chance against Chelsea. And God damn it, did that pay off. That, I mean, I've been a West Ham fan for, I would say, 10 years now, maybe nine. It's the best striker I've seen play for us. I personally would take 17, 18 Arnautovic over any version of Antonio. I don't know if that's, you know, controversial or whatever, but it's just he gave you everything Antonio does with better pressing, better ball control, more creativity. Um, and what he, he scored 11 goals and had six assists in half a season just because Moyes said, fuck it, you were fat three weeks ago. You weren't going to team meetings because Slavin Bilic was spineless, but you'll do for me. And I, you know, the way it ended will never be perfect, but that, that brother could ball. Jack, that was a, that was a great answer. As you, as you know, uh, that Chelsea uh, game where, where Arnautovic got debuted as the striker, that was my first ever yeah. game as a West Ham fan. I was like, dude, you got to see this. Something's about to happen. <laughs> so I, I didn't I didn't know how how uh, I guess maybe the controversy behind uh, you know trying Arnautovic at striker. I, I it wasn't as much like the position he played him in was weird. But it was like when Moyes first was hired before the Watford game, he was like, there was like articles coming out, like Moyes is ready to like, like axe like 25 million pound West Ham flop Mark Arnautovic. Mm-hmm. I can probably find the article. I think it was Daily Mail. But, and then he turned into probably one of Moyes' favorite players he's ever managed for us. Ever. Um, so my rapid fire question for you 
are we going to kick on from here? Are we going to look like a top 10 European level side from now until the end of the season, just generally? Or is this like a little run of form? Like, you know, we'll see it out and then we'll kind of go back to like, we'll be all right, but like, we won't be great. I think we see it out. I think that Moes has finally found a shape. You think you, you think he figured it out? I guess. I, I think that, and, and it's kind of weird because it's nothing new, really. It's kind of just minor tweaks of what we did last year, but it's working. It's working super well, and everyone's bought in. The vibes are amazing. The results are there. the The schedule isn't the most favorable, but I th- I think I have no reason to think that the performances will go away. I'm, I'm very optimistic for from now until May. I'm also very optimistic. I think these next two games will tell us a lot, but I'm very confident in them continuing this. Mm-hmm. All right. The big question. Besides West Ham fans, everyone is looking forward to tomorrow. What's your final prediction, Arsenal Man City? With my head? With everything. Give it give everything. You know what? I want to go crazy, but I'll settle down. Arsenal 2, Manchester City 2. I would love nothing more but for that to happen. That would be such a good game. It'd be a great game. And I, yeah, I just think, you know, they've lost him twice now. They're good. They're a really good side, and they're going to be playing desperate. If they come out scared, they're cooked. But I think that they'll be playing desperate. And City aren't going to make it easy on them. But I think they can get the job done. It's it's really, really hard to be great teams three times in a season. And no matter what you want to say about Arsenal, they're a great team. Mm-hmm. And as great as Manchester City are, it's a, it's a, it's a tough ask. Um, and I just think with Arsenal playing desperate, they'll figure it out. No Nathan Ake tomorrow. He's been great this season. That's a huge, huge miss, and they don't really have a backup left back. Man, it's going to be some game. Um, Newcastle or Manchester United, top four. Well, I guess there's two slots available. Hmm. So Newcastle, Manchester United, Tottenham, Liverpool, Brighton, Villa. Hmm. Um, just looking at the league table now. Um, well, Villa are in fifth. I hope you know that. Yeah, it's horrifying to me. Um, I guess three, three, four, five. I think will be uh, Newcastle, Manchester United, and Brighton. Newcastle in the Champions League, man. This is gonna be horrible for everybody involved. I'm sorry. I I think I'm that I I meant to say Manchester United third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Newcastle's still in the top four. Yeah. Yeah. Manchester United will be the highest of those. I don't care about. I I'm I will be denying or pretending that the Aston Villa form does not exist until the season <laughs> is over. I I actually don't think I'll ever acknowledge it. They can win the champ. They can they can win the Premier League and the Champions League next year, and I will be like, I'm not moved. Yeah. I agree with that.
All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We got another big week for these hammers coming up. Um, you know, check us out on Twitter, hammering underscore away. Check out the blog, hammering dash away.com. Got some new articles in the works. I said that last week, but there is stuff in the works. Um, also have a few other writers that are going to start getting involved. If you want to get involved, you can DM us at hammering underscore away, or you can DM at JVCKZINI on Twitter. And we'll see you next week.